Father, I, um, I just thank you that we get to gather together in your goodness. I loved just reminding ourselves tonight as we worship of your faithfulness and how you are faithful till the very end. You are faithful till our last breath. And we just say thank you, God. Thank you for being that God to us. Thank you that as we begin to unfold and open up and consider and look at what it is to live a life of legacy, may we recognize that we're already walking in that. We're laying a foundation. We're building something even as we speak where one day when we breathe our last, we will have built something for those that come after us. I thank you that you have placed us on this earth in this time. Um, <laughs> gosh, you're so good. You are so good. So just have your way tonight, and literally in every way. Have your way, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, so where, um, this is what I want to say to you too. Look at me. Look at me. Um, I just started, I was like, thanks a lot. I just started crying when he got up here. Feel all the feels. I'm like, I would like to not feel all the feels. Um, what I wanted to say to you too, um, I know that the guys, the team bought a guitar for you guys. Um, for you guys, because you have to play it too. <laughs> but um, I do sense that in this season that there is going to be such greatness of peace and writing songs that will bring such deep change. And I, um, even as we worship tonight, I think of just the, the, the foundation you have laid here, the things you have done in this community, how you have loved so well. But I love that we're talking about legacy tonight. And I was like, I, I literally haven't started crying until right then. I was like, oh, this is so annoying. Um, but I just want to say to the team that invested in that and did that, like, I think that they invested more than they know. So I'm excited. I know we're going to pray for you at the end, but uh, how amazing. I can't wait to see what God does. But uh, this is, okay, I really am not usually like this, so I'm so, so well, I cry. We all know that. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I really am looking forward to this message tonight um, because I love the Apostle Paul. And tonight we're talking about passion. I'm not really sure why they chose me for this one. I can think of someone, and I'm kidding. I totally know why. Um, so we're doing four different topics throughout this series, and those four different topics are we're going to talk about faith, we're going to talk about generosity. We're going to talk about worship. And tonight we talk about passion. And we're going to attach that to different people that were in the Bible that laid a foundation of legacy throughout the years, a legacy that we're walking in today so that we can reflect on that and look at our lives and go, what are we doing in this day and age and the time that we've been placed on earth to leave a legacy? Uh, so I, I don't know about you, but who do you, when you think about legacy, is there someone that pops into your mind? I was asking my kids, I was like, when you think of someone that's made an impact that isn't here anymore, who do you think of? And, you know, Finley's a little bit obsessed with Rosa Parks at the moment. So Rosa Parks was her answer. So she's reading all about her, quoting her. Yes, you agree? Very good. Loving Rosa Parks. So I don't know. Is there anybody else you guys think of right away? Who do you think of? Shout it out. What? MLK, Martin Luther King, right? Obviously, le like big legacy. Anybody else that you guys think of right away when you hear the word legacy? Don't be shy. Yell it out. Shout it out. Who'd you shout out? David Bowie. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's so good. What else? Who else do you guys think of? Michael Jordan. Yes. Someone said Michael Jackson this morning, and I was like, yes. Um, Anybody else? I mean, there, there's some of the classic, you know, Winston Churchill, Mother Teresa, all of these different people that we think of when we think 
of legacy. But what I love is that we can position ourselves in a place where we understand that we are creating that as we speak. There's an amazing quote by Benjamin Franklin, and it says this, if you would not be forgotten as soon as you are dead, either write something worth reading or do something worth writing. And I thought about that, about our lives, and Benjamin Franklin as a man who actually did that. He not only wrote, he lived something that we would understand, that we would look back on now. And I think we live in a day and age where I would say that every single person in this room is not going, well, I don't want to leave a legacy. I hope no one remembers me when I'm gone. That's not what, how we're living. We're, that's not what we're thinking. But maybe sometimes we're not intentional in what that looks like to lay that down. I think we, we all desire to make a difference. It's very interesting, even raising children now, because they're so socially aware. So they're aware that they are raised and born in this day and age to make a difference. I mean, their schools are teaching them that they have a voice, that they could do something great. And so they're so aware. But I think also we as a generation are aware. And now we're, social, we're, we're overly connected sometimes on social media. And we can sometimes, hi, Tom. Some, we can sometimes, sorry, guys. We can get stuck in a sense, when we're in this place where we know we want to make a difference, we know we want to make an impact, but also we're overly connected and we're like, where do we get started? How do I make an impact? But I would go so far to say that you are already leaving a legacy. You are doing something great with your life. And so what do we do? How do we leave a legacy? How do we intentionally do that? Well, I want, when we, I want to switch to looking at the Apostle Paul. My... Um, on Paul's 40th, my Paul's 40th birthday, not the one I'm going to preach about, um, <laughs> on his 40th birthday, we went to Rome, and um, we went to Italy, we went to a whole bunch of different places, but we started in Rome, and the very last stop that we made was in Mamertine Prison. I think we have a picture, if you can put that up for me, Nathan, that would be great. And this is actually, this was one of the most moving experiences of my, my entire life. So I have loved the word of God from the day that I got saved. I had people that discipled me and showed me how to read the word of God every day and instilled that passion and love in my heart from the beginning. But you know, there's times where you're like bored or can we say that? Where you're like, I'm just, I'm not getting anything from the word of the, has anyone ever said that? Or, you know, we, we've all been there. But when I walked into this prison cell, the presence of God overwhelmed me and I wept because there was a man sat in this prison cell and probably wondered, gosh, am I making a difference at all? Am I doing anything that matters? All I'm hearing about is all the issues and the troubles with the church today, and I'm sitting here, I can't even be with them. He's this apostle who planted all these churches, and there's all these issues going on. He's being confronted with, messengers are coming to him while he's sitting in a prison cell, and instead of sitting there and going, woe is me, I haven't done anything right, he passionately writes letters, sends them to the churches, but still, I bet, see, I think about this prison cell all the time. Because when we're in a prison cell in our own life, we're in a place in our mind or our heart where we're wondering, am I doing anything right? But see, he was in a literal prison cell writing letters to see the gospel move forward, to see churches unified, to see people that maybe weren't serving God or they were blending with the culture instead of following Jesus. He was passionate to see them move forward. But I wonder if at the end of his life, near his last breath, when he was writing that letter to Timothy, I wonder if he thought, wow, they're all going to read my letters in uh, thousands of years. I bet you he had no idea the legacy he was laying down. And maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're in a time and a season in your life where you're like, am I making a difference? Am I doing anything great? Am I leaving a legacy? Does anybody care? Does my voice matter? What I'm doing, does 
it matter, but I would go so far to say that the Apostle Paul, who was abandoned and shipwrecked and imprisoned and beaten and bruised, a man left a legacy that we can read to this day. And I tell you what, standing in that prison cell, weeping, thanking God that these letters went forward because there are days and times where I just read Romans and Corinthians over and over again because we basically live in Rome or Corinth. Did you know that? So if you're like, how do I follow Jesus? Just read those two letters. They will confront you and you'll figure it out. So the thing is, is he wrote these epistles. He left these letters as a legacy for us, but I'm not sure that he knew that they were going to be handed down so far. He probably thought they were just for that present moment, for those churches in that moment. And now we sit here and read them today. So what are the epistles? Because they're still shaping the church today. An epistle is a writing directed or sent to a person or group of people, usually an elegant and formal didactic letter. The epistle genre of letter writing was common in ancient Egypt as part of the scribal school writing curriculum. The letters in the New Testament from apostles to Christians are usually referred to as epistles. Those traditionally attributed to Paul are known as the Pauline epistles. Now, if you're wondering which books he wrote, I just want to give you the 13th that are credited to him. Because what I would love is during this week for you to pick one of those letters, to read it, to get into it, to look at his legacy, to go. Because you know what's amazing about letters is they're meant to be read in one sitting. So that's actually how they were written. They were read to a whole church at once. They would just stand there and read the letter to the church. So I would encourage you this week to grab onto the legacy that is yours to walk into this day and be in awe and amazed at what is left to you. But these are the different ones that are attributed to him. Romans, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, I've got them up there. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus and Philemon, and I would just encourage you to get into that and just think about legacy. Think about what that looks like in your life. Ask God, because see, here's the deal. We can act, when we're in a season like the Apostle Paul was, when we're in a time like the Apostle Paul was, sitting there, feeling like, gosh, I've been bruised, beaten, abandoned. Am I doing any, we've got to go back and remember what we are called to do, and these are so encouraging. I want to write this or read this to you. Throughout Paul's ministry, it says that he suffered trials, trials and persecution for the sake of Christ. He was stoned, beaten, imprisoned, shipwrecked, and betrayed. Anybody feel that today, except for shipwrecked, maybe? Because I don't know if anyone went on a boat today. So, but he was oft, often went without food, sleep, and shelter. And during his Roman imprisonment, he also felt alone with no other person to support or defend him. It says that Demas left him because he loved the world. Have any of you had those friends that you discipled and invested your life into and you took years with them and then you were watching on social media and they're basically giving you a middle finger on social media like, I'm out of here. And you're like, cool, that's great. And you're trying to not take it. No, just no one. Okay, you guys know. Okay. But you know what I mean? Like people that you do life with invest in your like your heart is broken. You're like, what's happening here? Paul felt those same feelings. I think this is why I love reading Paul's letters because when I'm like so emotional, I've had a bad day. It's like, go read Paul. He's had a worse day than you. So you just, you've got to remember. He also said that Alexander did him a great deal of harm, yet through it all, he stood with the Lord and the Lord stood with him. We all go through seasons where hard things happen, where we walk through things, but I love Paul because he reminds us to just keep going. He was a man full of emotion. He grieved, he was angry, he was fiery, he had conviction, and at the same time he pressed on. Like he was, he was insane, I can't wait to meet him. And so, you know, 
struggle may have marked his life, but God's grace sustained him. And you know what? You may be in a season of struggle, but God's grace can sustain you. He can show you how to leave a legacy. And I love this scripture that he wrote to Timothy in that very last letter, 2 Timothy, when he was nearing the end of his life. And he said this, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the faith. I fought, he hasn't fought the faith, that's a lie. He has fought the good fight. I have finished the race. (laughs) I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. Do you find that amazing? We're longing for his appearing in this room right now. He's talking about us. But I think about this. You guys, he fought the good fight. There's a lot of fights we can fight, isn't there? Hello, we're doing them right now. We're fighting a lot of fights. We're choosing a lot of battles that we probably shouldn't choose. But he just knew what the right fights were. He fought the good fight. What is the good fight in your life? He finished the race. He kept the faith, which means he had to cling to it, which meant there was wrestle, which meant there was struggle. Isn't this encouraging to you? No? Just, okay, just to you, okay. But that's encouraging to me that there was wrestle, there was struggle, even in his faith, even as he walked forward. That he poured out his life. But how did he continue? Because I, I want to know. I'm like, Paul, how did you not give up? I would have given up in like one of those letters. I would be like, it's not worth it. Like, you know, I'm so frustrated. I'm so angry. But he didn't give up. And I'm like, so we've got to look at this legacy of not giving up, of passion, of fire. But what was it? It was his passion. But I also believe it was his conviction that kept him. And I've realized this, that there is a big difference between having a conviction and a vision for your life. There's a big difference between having a conviction and a vision for your life. Because vision is inspiring. You can vision board all day long, but it doesn't mean you have to do it. If you have an absolute conviction, then you will do it. You will live it. If it's like, this is a conviction for me, I don't care what anybody says, this is what's gonna happen. And I believe that he was a man, not just for a vision for the church, but with a conviction that it was the hope of the world, that this was the bride that he was to build, that the Messiah had come, that the, the this is what we have to live with. And I would say to you right now, you know, a vision to read the Bible, that's not gonna get you into it. The, a vision to read it will not get you into it. A hope to read it, even a goal at the, you know, for the new year, to read through the one year, but that goal, actually, a vision to do it won't get you to do it, but a conviction, an absolute conviction that this is the very word of God that is still speaking to us today, that this is the word that was made flesh, Jesus Christ, the word of God, they are one. We have got to understand, if that is an absolute conviction, you can't stay out of this thing. You can't stop looking for answers in this thing. You won't need to meet with a pastor or a leader. You'll be like, let me go figure it out for myself and tell you what I read and tell you what the Lord spoke to me and ask you if they think I'm crazy or not if it's a conviction but if it's not a conviction you won't read it you're going to ask for everybody's opinion convictions will hold you and I believe that Paul had great conviction I mean think about it the man's conviction caused him to be the one that said these Christians these believers these followers of Christ they are heretics they are destroying the faith so he killed them He was leading the charge, and he was there when Stephen was martyred, the very first martyr. He wasn't stoning him, but he was condoning it, telling people to do it. He was dragging men, women, and children out of their houses and persecuting them until he was, I mean, such conviction. We know people with conviction, you're like, that's a very bad conviction. (laughs) 
but they're living, with, they're living for it, and they are so into it, and you're like, wow, because <laughs> it's not your conviction. But he was convicted that he was doing the right thing, that he was helping God, until Jesus appeared to him and said, um, excuse me, Paul, Paul, or Saul was his name at the time. Why are you persecuting me? He's like, I'm sorry, who are you? <laughs> Jesus Christ. And he was told in that moment when he met him on the road to Damascus, the Messiah, you are persecuting the Messiah. And in that moment, his conviction turned. He turned from his ways and had a new conviction, and it was to build the church. And who would have known that all of these years later, a man who was killing Christians became one of the greatest people where we read most of the New Testament by him? You wouldn't think so. So think about those people in your world that are have such passionate conviction right now to not follow Jesus and do other things, you never know. You never know. You don't. So why do we give up? Don't give up on people. Because they honestly, and his conversion is powerful, but then he succeeded in just making Christianity, like it went everywhere because of this man. He built the church with passion. His thoughtfulness, his gentleness and steadfastness to infuse his letters, and they, 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 they infused his letters and also went out to the church at the time. He built the church. He saw his mission not only as bringing good news to the Gentiles, the Gentiles are the people that weren't the Jewish people, not only to bring the good news to them, but also to organize the church so that it would grow even when he was not present to urge it on. I mean, what a legacy. What a legacy. So let's look at our own lives because you may be wrestling right now with your legacy, with, you know, going, God, I have this vision, I have this passion, I have this idea, this is what I think I should be doing, but maybe it's not lining up with where I thought I would be. I would go so far to say that if we can follow Paul as he followed Christ, we can leave a legacy right now. That we don't have to wait, that we don't need that vision board. Well, I mean, we do need vision boards, conviction boards. Let's call them conviction boards now. Um, but what I'm saying is we can look at Paul's life. And we can learn from him in ways that we can leave a legacy today. The first one is this. I'm just going to give you three things. But what I would love for you to do is, is, is write this down. Like take notes. Take this in. And do some homework this week. Read one of his letters. But I'll give you activations for most of these. So the first one is this. Paul was passionate about fulfilling his call at all costs. Paul was passionate about fulfilling his call at all costs. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. And I love that humility, right? He's like, I'm not there yet. None of, hey, who's raising their hand in this room? None of us. We're like, we're not there yet. Not that I would take, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But the thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which, Christ, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to go to the first uh, line there in verse 12 because I love that he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I love that beautiful thought because he's saying, what did Christ take hold of me for? Do you know, I realize in the seasons where I lose my way or I lose where that is, is I have to go back to the very moment that Christ took hold of me. I have to remember what it was like 20 years ago when it was so dark for me and Christ took hold of me. You know, I, uh, I know I, I've told this story before because for some of you, maybe you're going, 
What am I meant to be doing? What Christ, Christ, what have you taken hold of me for? We have to go back to what he spoke to us, those moments that he reminds us who we are and what we're called to do. And for me, it's so funny because 20 years ago, I remember, like I said, I've told you the story before, but the, the, the guy said, hey, who wants to give their life to Jesus? Just raise your hand. And I had never encountered love like that before. It was insane. I grew up, I mean, many of you know some of this story. I grew up in a cult. I grew up in control. I grew up in a lot of crazy stuff. So I was like, bye, Jesus. If this is you, I want nothing to do with it. So when I encountered his love, I was like, this is what I was looking for. And I remember him saying, you know, raise your hand if you want to give your life to Jesus. And I, I awkwardly walked to the front. I was the awkward person in the room. And they're like, what do we do with this awkward moment? And I was like, you're welcome. Um, but, you know, it was kind of one of those moments, you know, where time stands still and you remember how it felt, what it smelled like, what the, the sound was. You remember the people that were there. And I remember being in that moment, whispering under my breath, just saying, all I want to do is build your church. I want to build what's close to your heart. And do you know, I had no idea what that meant. Because you grow up in brokenness and you grow up in mess of what you thought the church was. So I had no idea that in that moment, Christ took hold of me and out of my heart and mouth came exactly what I'm still doing to this day. Now you have got to go back to the moments. Go back to that moment, you guys. What was it? And maybe that is, is maybe, it, I, I don't know what it is, but you do go back to that whisper, that moment, what came out of your heart and you went, you took hold of me for this. And I wanna keep walking it out. Now that journey has looked di different and it's been had highs and lows and everything in between, but it's still the path. It's still where we're going. I, I think we have the picture too of, uh, can we put up that picture? Um, so when, um, I only had one kid, um, Zeke, <laughs> and he was six months old, I had a dream that we were on the subway, on, uh, and, and we had three kids that looked like stair steps, and we were on the way home um, from a church that we had planted. Now, we were working at a church in Australia. There was no way that that was even a possibility. I was like, three kids that close together, catch you later. Well... <laughs> Three years later, boom, 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 and three kids, and I'm like, leave me alone. No, um, <laughs> you know, we had three kids under the age of three, and I'm like, and New York came back up, and I remember in the night hour holding my daughter, and the Spirit of God said to me, by the time she is two, you will not live in this nation anymore. She will be raised in a different city. You will be in New York, and I remember being like, what? No, I don't want to live, leave my life. I don't want to. And, and what's amazing is I remember on the way home from a church service that, that we had planted right here, um, <laughs> someone took that photo, and it wasn't me. And, and I remember looking at that going, oh, my gosh. We have to go back to the moments, don't we? What's the moment for you? Maybe you moved here to work in the entertainment industry, but it's been really defeating. But Christ took hold of you and went, you're going to shine a light in that place. Maybe Christ took hold of you for the workplace that you're in. Maybe Christ took hold of you to raise an amazing family. Maybe Christ took hold of you. What did he take hold of you for? And you may feel like Paul in a prison, bruised and battered, but remember what he took hold of you for. And don't let it go. And don't let it go. So here's what your activation is for this week. I want you to take a moment. I want you to read a letter, obviously, from Paul. Pick one. <laughs> But I want you to take a moment and write down the moments where he spoke to you, where, he took, where Christ took hold of you, and remember his faithfulness. Because here's the deal. He took hold of you back here. He hasn't let go. That's why when we sing about his faithfulness, he's not done yet. 
He's right in the middle of the story for every single one of us. So we've got to remember that. So that's the first one. The second one is this. is Paul was passionate about lost, uh, about the, about the lost. Um, Paul was passionate about the lost and willing to do whatever he could to win others to Christ. Paul was passionate about the lost and willing to do whatever he could to win others to Christ. Now, I, I want us to listen to this because this may sound like an interesting um, example that he uses, but he says, oh, Israel, my Jewish family, I feel such great sorrow and heartache for you that never leaves me. Oh, no, that's, this is not a weird one. This is a good one. I was thinking of a different one. Sorry about that, guys. God knows these deep feelings within me as I long for you to come to the faith in the anointed one. My conscience will not let me speak anything but truth. For my grief is so intense that I wish that I would be accursed. Okay, when I say this person was intense and extreme, like, can you imagine meeting him? He's like, I'm following Jesus, but I wish I was cut off from him. If, cut off from the Messiah, if it would mean that you, my people, would come to faith in him. Romans 9, 1 through 4. You guys, that's some extreme desire to see the lost one. That he's like, if it meant that I had to be cut off so that all of you could come to know him, that you would know the Messiah, the one who is chosen. When is the last time we were that passionate about the lost? When is the last time that we wept and we're like, God, do whatever you have to do. Move heaven and earth to win this person and this person and this person. Because I can't imagine heaven without them. When was the last time we lamented and grieved and prayed over them? When is the last time? You guys, this is actually our legacy that we are to continue to walk and to follow Paul as he followed Christ, that he laid his life down. See, Jesus was moved with compassion. He didn't just have it. He moved when it happened to him, when it hit him. And I think we have compassion fatigue. We talk about that all the time. But it's stopping us from moving. It's stopping us from investing. It's stopping us from opening the door. See that person that we were talking about that we're like, they're too far gone. Are they? Because if the Apostle Paul was not too far gone, then neither are they. And I think we need to remember those things. What is compassion? Compassion is a compound word meaning with, come, great love, and pity, passion. The Greek word for compassion used in the New Testament is a word that I really genuinely cannot say. Meaning, I'm not kidding, it's very long. I need a Greek friend up in here. Meaning... But this is interesting. It means to be moved as to one's bowels. Hence, to be moved with compassion, have compassion, for the bowels were thought to be the seat of love and pity. I often feel it in my gut when I am moved with grief, sorrow, heartache, pain, or sympathy for another's plight in life. But stopping there easily turns into ulcers and anxiety. Anyone? Anyone feeling anxiety over the plight of the world today? Anyone feeling like, I have so much compassion, and you literally, it hurts. Well, there's a reason we're not moving. We're not moving when compassion hits us. It says this in Matthew 20, 34. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. So he had compassion and then he prayed. He moved. The next scripture is Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And when he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Okay, here's what I want you to do this week. 
So to be moved with compassion. I want you to, when you're on the subway, do you see that he looked at the crowds and he saw that they were harassed? When's the last time that you weren't annoyed by the New York crowd? But you put some earbuds in, put a worship song in on the subway. A song that moves you. A song that causes you to see people. That hears the heart of God. And I want you to look around. And then I want you, while you're in that moment, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything you want me to do? Anything you want me to move in? Because these people are harassed. You guys, there is a spiritual realm that is taking precedent in people's lives that they are so unaware of. And we as Christians can sometimes be the most impotent when it comes to bringing deliverance and healing and love to other people. We have the answer in Jesus Christ. We have everything that they are looking for. So we need to lift up our eyes this week. Put a song of worship in there that makes you be like, oh my gosh, see people. And then ask the Spirit of God what you are to do to move and love somebody this week. So that's your activation. Are you excited about that? I want to hear the stories. Come back and tell us all the good things. Or even the hard things where you're like, yeah, I got spit on. That didn't go so well. I mean, you know, the thing is, the the truth is, is that will happen. Because sometimes demons don't like people. So and when you walk with Jesus, has anyone ever had a moment, too, where you're like, whoa. Like where someone talks to you like this on the subway? Yeah, okay, I have. Um, So the third one is this. The last one is this, is that Paul was passionate about discipling others and shared his life, investing in others' spiritual growth. Paul was passionate about discipling others and shared his life, investing in others' spiritual growth. 1 Thessalonians 2, 7b um, through 12 says this, and this is the one that I got ahead of myself. This is about a nursing mother, so I want you to understand about connection and nurture in this. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. I love that picture, actually, because he's saying we nurtured you. We saw you. We cared for you. We loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Let's just stop there for a moment. Not only should we be willing to share a message, to tell a story, to go to community group and have a moment together. There's a difference between sharing the gospel, sharing a great thought, and sharing your lives with each other. When we share our lives with each other, this is when the body of Christ matures. Because what we're doing is we're not looking to someone, we're not looking to a pastor or a leader, we're looking to each other. When we begin to share our lives with each other, when we act like idiots, someone goes, hey, you're acting like an idiot. We get to call each other out instead of looking for other, does that make sense? It's like, hey, why'd you post that on Instagram? I'm just curious. You say you love Jesus. I'm not really sure. Like, whatever it, I'm serious though. Why are we looking, this is what we do. Oh my gosh, did you see what they posted? Oh, I can't even believe this happened. And we talk to each other, but instead of being the body, giving of ourselves to each other, sharing of our lives with each other, we don't call each other out. We look for someone else to do it. Guess what? Usually when we're looking for someone else to do it, nobody's doing it. And then we're not growing, we're not maturing. And you know what? This is a call to action for us as the body that we would rise, that we would just, do you know that in discipleship, there is reciprocity there? Because yes, you might have a leader that is discipling you, someone that is uh, like ahead of you and you're like looking to them, mentorship, discipleship. But guess what? We are made disciples together. Some of the craziest thing, I mean, this one, the way she speaks to me sometimes, the way she speaks to me sometimes, like, do you, do you know what I mean? We do life together and, and we grow together. And so we've got to remember that. He says, surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day. 
in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as your father deals with his own children. Now listen to this, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So, so what I want to do is I'm, I'm going to begin to bring this um, to a close. I think about Nikki who's here. Nikki is n- new to maybe some of you. Um, but Nikki I've known for 13 years. And <laughs> when I, she, she met me when Zeke was two weeks old. And um, gosh, how old were you? Early 20s. Not even, 19. Oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> she was 19, and I remember her walking in the room while I had Zeke, and there was just this instant connection. I just said, why don't you come over? And, um, you know, she came over. She was one of Zeke's first babysitters. Now she's like the nanny of nannies, runs the nannyhood. You should look it up. It's super cool. She gathers nannies all over the United States, and it's like the coolest thing ever. But 13 years, right? 13 years of living in the same city, not living in the same city. Um, She moved here when we planted the church and we nearly killed each other. So that was real. Um, (laughs) She moved into our house. You know when you hear our, I don't know if you've ever heard our horrible story about our first house. There's so much there. But she lived in the front room. (laughs) It was was horrible. But literally that's where we learned a lot of boundaries in relationship. It was great. Um, But you know there's been years together. And I think about the years that we will all and have done with each other. That discipleship, sometimes you look at Paul's life. When Paul was discipling people, sometimes it was in proximity. Most of the time it wasn't. Did you see that? That there was moments of together and moments of apart. Why? Because we're all sent ones. We're all to go out and do what we're called to do in our spheres of influence. But when we come together, we're to sharpen each other. Be discipled. Be made disciples. Invest in each other. Think about Raji in the moment he walked in and couldn't get through the door and showed up at my house. And like he said like everything was like, are you still going to like me? It was kind of one of those. And even I was like, I really love you. I think you're awesome. And even just this week, having big conversations about life and like tears and prayer and you know what I mean this is life this is life isn't it highs lows tears laughter all it's okay (laughs) but this is how we're made disciples in and through every season so why don't we read one of the last charges that Paul gave to Timothy and this is how we can can see how we need to step into more maturity as we are made into disciples, as we invest in each other as disciples. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 7. And I don't know if the team, oh, look at you as a team. Do you guys want to come with me? Do you guys want to come hang out with me? What do we want to do? I don't know. (laughs) RJ's ready. Um, (laughs) Jen's dancing. No. (laughs) But I love this. Here's the deal. As we read this, you can either close your eyes or, or read it, whichever way you take it in the best. Because here's what I want you to hear this as. A man who left an incredible legacy for us. A man who wrote a letter to Timothy to say, don't waste a single breath. And you know what? This is a charge to you today as the church. And so hear it how if you want to read along, if you want to close your eyes and take it in, either way. And he said this, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Let me stop there for a minute. This is not preaching. Your lives are preaching every single day. In the Western world and in the last however many hundred years, we made this what preaching is. 
You are preaching every single day. So therefore, you need to be ready in and out of season. All y'all are preachers. If you're like, I'm going to preach one day, I'm like, you already are. So we've got to be aware that our lives are speaking. He's saying this, correct, rebuke, and encourage. So we like, let's stop there. If you're like one of those confronters and you love correcting, rebuking, and encouraging, he says with great patience and careful instruction. See, this is where I feel we as a Liberty Church. He's just saying, rise. Do this for each other. Share your lives with each other. Correct each other. When you're like, hey, bro, your fruit, it's not good. Let's correct that. Let's work that out. Hey, you know what? I just, I'm going to have to push back on that because I, I don't think that's God. I'm not sure you've been reading this. feels like your opinions are coming to the surface. Correct rebuke and encourage. Why? With great patience, careful instruction, because good things take time. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Does that sound like today? Are we there? I think we're living right in the middle of that day and age. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths, but you, you, Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of the evangelists, not just the ones that were given the title. Discharge the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So here's your activation for this one. Ask yourself, who can you call, or who can call you out? Not just who can you call out. Let me say that again. Who can call you out? Not just who can you call out. Because that is the beginning of giving yourselves to one another. Going, I give you, I'm scared to, but I give you the position to call me out, to love me to call me to rise, to grow, to become more like Christ, to be made into a disciple. So, <laughs> maybe you're wondering, am I making a difference? Am I leaving a legacy? Well, how amazing that you can decidedly persevere whatever season you're in, just keep going. That you can be moved with compassion for the lost because they're all around you and that you can allow yourself to be made a disciple and make disciples today. And that, my friends, is the legacy Paul left, but the legacy we can leave as well. So Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for appearing to the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. Because we have rich fruit that we get to read, that applies to our lives today, that we can bring into our context and we can change, we can grow, we can mature, we can leave a legacy. And so we just say thank you, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.